Be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. It seems many times the expectations of Christ for his disciples are seemingly impossible. That they're impossible to attain, because who is perfect besides our Lord himself? Plus the rest of what he tries to impart to his disciples, how difficult that is in our life. How is it that we are to love our enemies and to pray for them? And also in turning the other cheek, if someone strikes us on one side of the face and turning and offering them the other side of the face, maybe Christ is asking us to be doormats for everyone to just walk all over us. So how do we be perfect just as the Heavenly Father is perfect? And I would say this, the key to perfection is striving at every moment to imitate Christ. To put on, as St. Paul says, the new man. To put on Christ and to put off the old man. And I say this because this lesson that our Lord is imparting to his disciples is not isolated. It's part, if we remember what we've been reading through for the past four weeks, and then after our brief pause of the Lenten cycle of readings, and then Easter will take up again, is the Sermon on the Mount. And how did the Sermon on the Mount start? It started with the Beatitudes. In the last Beatitude, blessed are you when they persecute you, when they mock you, when they revile you, and say all these evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad on that day, for the kingdom of heaven is yours. So if the key to perfection is striving to imitate Christ, in that imitation of Christ, it is not us who are persecuted or us who have enemies. It is Christ within us. It is the opposition of Christ being alive in the world. Anything else is pride. What do I mean by that? Walking around, focusing on our own miseries. Woe is me. All these people are being an obstacle to my spiritual life. Our Lord never promised that the road to sanctity was easy, but it did not deter him from fidelity to his heavenly Father. And so as our Lord says, be perfect just as your heavenly Father is perfect, we shouldn't think of perfection as a state of being. Well, if I was just perfect... That would make life so much easier. Well, in the saints who were perfect, right? In the saints, their life was not made easier by their imitation of Christ. Instead, perfection is a constant effort to please God in all things. A perfect effort to be sure that we do not offend him. What does that mean? It means that throughout our lives, we have to develop all of the 64 moral virtues in our life and also rely on the sanctifying grace of the sacraments. Just 64 moral virtues, right? One a year, by the laws of fasting, we could indeed be perfect. But let's look at it another way. What is required to avoid hell? 
What's required to avoid hell is a state of grace or a state of friendship, that we're not conscious of any mortal sin that we have committed that has not been confessed sacramentally in the sacrament of reconciliation and penance, that we die in a state of friendship with God. That's how we avoid hell and its eternal punishments. But what's required to gain heaven? Well, our Lord tells us right in the gospel today, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. But how many people die in it? So what's in between? What's in between the avoidance of hell and the gaining of heaven? Well, the growth in virtue, reparation for our sins, self-mastery, mortification, and for what we cannot complete out of our own good works, there's purgatory. That wonderful doctrine of God's ineffable mercy by which, if not everything within us is oriented towards God at the end of our life, but we die in a state of grace and friendship, trusting in his promises, we don't necessarily enter heaven right away because we might not yet be perfect. There may be some human frailty. There may be some venial sin or some failing that clings to our soul. But by the graces, the purifying graces of purgatory, God will speed up that process and make us perfect so that we might gaze upon him face to face. So if we look at perfection as a constant effort in pleasing God, as we strive for that, we will be rejected because we become a sign of contradiction to the world. What is the world after? Those who live worldly lives, they want power, they want wealth, they want success. But our lives cannot be measured by the same instruments. <coughs> we do have a certain type of power, and that's the power of self-mastery. We also have a wealth that's beyond any economic measure of this world, because it's the wealth of God's graces that are poured into our hearts by a complete dependence upon his strength and grace. And our success is measured by how many souls we draw to the fount of conversion that we draw into the fold. So in a certain way, if we take St. Paul's lesson to the Colossians, where he says, it is not I to imitate Christ, and we are Christ in the world. It is not I who am persecuted, it is Christ who is within me, who is persecuted. And that allows us to live a radical humility. It's not about me and what I can do, but what Christ can do through me. And if I face an obstacle, it's not because I'm so great or I'm so wonderful, but because Christ has become active in all that I say and do. So he begins with the Beatitudes, right smack dab in the middle is this radical call to perfection, called a radical holiness. But where is he moving with it? Well, when we come back after Lent and Easter, we'll jump right back into the reading of the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. And it all culminates in a very famous teaching of our Lord. He says, go forth and live this. You are my friends if you do what I command you. 
And may you be fruitful so that the world may see the good that you do and give glory to your heavenly Father. So the world may see the good that you do and give glory to your heavenly Father. That is the perfection to which Christ calls us. And may we never give up in striving to please God in all things. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.